0: Hi, friends. This is Annie Grace, author of This Naked Mind, and I'm answering readers' questions. I had a few come in this week, so thank you. If you want to ask me a question, just message us on this page or send me an email at hello at thisnakedmind.com, and I will be happy to answer whatever questions I can. So today's question is from Beck. She says, how do you define alcoholism and addiction? Is it an illness? Because I feel if you have a drink problem, people automatically think and assume that you're an alcoholic. My family says this at least, but for me, in my mind, I actually call it more of an addiction and a craving. Um, Perhaps you could do a video and, and talk about this. So you sort of hit the nail on the head. I mean, the definition for alcoholism and alcoholic is varied. You ask different people, you will get different answers. And most people say things like, you actually have to decide for yourself if you have a problem." Um, And actually medical and scientific and diagnostic experts prefer the term alcohol use disorder. So instead of that being a black and white definition, it's a continuum of kind of use and abuse, which includes uh, measurement of specific symptoms, including drinking despite problems, health problems, relational problems, work problems, uh, tolerance. How severe is cravings, how can you overcome the cravings or not? And physical dependence. And so on this continuum, you're actually you come up with a specific sort of where you are um, with alcohol addiction. And there's interestingly really good neuroscience to support this idea of not necessarily um, labeling yourself. I have a lot of readers and some of them write me and some people who read my book have been sober for a number of years, haven't touched alcohol, and I've actually gotten letters from people saying that, you know, while I recognize that I was fully dependent and had a pretty severe problem with alcohol and was definitely addicted, um, I'm divorcing the term alcoholic. And so they tell me that they are no longer using that term to apply to themselves because they feel that identifying themselves as that, especially after it's been years since they've touched a drink, can be problematic in how they view the world, how much importance they continue to put on alcohol, and it can actually keep them stuck. So there's a lot of science to support this, that what you call yourself, what you label yourself, um, actually has an impact on how you feel and how quickly you heal. So if a doctor There's a study that shows that if a doctor comes in and tells a patient, depending how they tell the patient they have cancer, whether it's a very optimistic outcome or a very pessimistic outcome, it can actually impact how quickly the person heals because so much of healing and overcoming any illness, any addiction, any disease, is what we believe ourselves capable to do and how strong we think we are and how much we believe we have reserves to do so. So in not necessarily taking on a very sort of scary label, some people are finding that they're able to sort of overcome it easier than were they to take on the label. So again, there's studies to support that. Um, And then there's another aspect of this becks and you've kind of touched on it but there's so many people right now who are giving up drinking or taking a break or a 30-day challenge or a 60-day challenge before they're anywhere near what our traditional kind of stereotype of alcoholic is so these are people who just feel that they want to be healthier there's quite a bit of evidence coming out in the news in fact some of the alcohol companies are starting to get on the defensive and even on the offensive about alcohol um, because there's so much evidence coming out connecting alcohol, even moderate drinking with cancer. And it is, it is pretty serious. I mean, even three drinks a week can increase a woman's chance of breast cancer by 15%. And you know, that's very moderate drinking. And so with all these evidence coming out, a lot of people who aren't dependent on alcohol, but just drink because they didn't think it was unhealthy, are stopping drinking. And so people have drastically cut back, they've stopped, and I've actually received messages from people who are not heavy drinkers who've made this decision, And despite them never having considered themselves to have a problem, they realize that just by turning down a drink in a social situation or telling someone they don't drink anymore, they're inviting judgment. So simply stop drinking means that people assume that they did have a problem. And that black and white idea of alcoholic or non-alcoholic, it kind of lends itself to this misconception. And it's an unfortunate deterrent for people because We assume anyone who stops must have had a problem. We look at them, we judge them, and that's not a nice feeling. And you come into it a bit innocently, especially when you stop without a problem. You just sort of say, yeah, I don't drink anymore. And people, oh, oh, really? Well, what happened? I mean, are you okay? Did you have a problem? You start to get all these pretty invasive questions. And that can be a bit of a deterrent for somebody um, who just made the choice for health reasons and actually never really suffered any problems from alcohol. And it's interesting because we certainly don't have cigarette alcoholics. and when someone stops smoking, we celebrate with them. You know, we think that's great, like we think it's phenomenal as a society, we think it's great. We don't label them with a disease that they may or may not have had, like nicotinism, which I think is just a really interesting difference between how we treat cigarettes and alcohol as a society, despite them both being addictive. Um, And then, Bex, you touched on this question of disease, and this is a really important one. So is alcohol addiction a disease? I am definitely not an expert to comment on this myself, but my favorite point of view comes from an expert. His name is Dr. Kevin McCauley, and his opinion in a nutshell is that you develop the disease. So by damaging your brain, specifically your prefrontal cortex, through long-term heavy exposure to alcohol, you damage your ability to resist cravings, and you rewire and recircuit your brain so that you're unable to resist alcohol in the way that you were before. So MRI studies actually demonstrate this. When an addict is shown a trigger image, so images that trigger a craving for the drug they're addicted to, the prefrontal cortex or the part of your brain that makes rational decisions actually goes dark. So that means that through the addiction and through um, what's happened inside the brain, through the exposure to the toxic substance and also through the dopamine response circuit and the pleasure circuit, your brain has been damaged, and so you are unable to respond in the same way to cravings as you were before you developed that addiction. So interestingly, when you're doing this with the MRI studies, if you show someone who's addicted to cocaine a trigger image for alcohol, they're not going to have the same response in their brain. It's not going to um, impair the prefrontal cortex, vice versa. If you show someone addicted to alcohol an image of cocaine, they're not going to have the same response in their brain. So that I think that what's really interesting about this is that it supports the theory that the brain can come impaired through exposure to the drug over time. And this would be, I guess, somewhat similar to you know, Dr. Macaulay says how a diabetic develops diabetes, where you choose a certain diet and then you overdo the insulin in your system, and over time, your body can't handle it anymore, and certain things have changed and happened, and the toxin has actually developed the disease. And so, diabetes is still considered a disease but it's more of a disease that has come through exposure to a toxin or through exposure to a lifestyle. And, of course, certain people, I I don't know much about diabetes, so... Uh, Forgive me, but Dr. McCauley defines alcohol addiction as indeed a disease, but a disease of choice and a disease that develops through exposure. And this is a very quick explanation of a very complex topic. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to post his lecture in the comments below. It's free on YouTube, and you can get a lot more information on this. And I might just do a video at some other time um, just on this really important discussion and conversation. But I do wanna take a quick moment and sort of talk about why people do use this term alcoholic and why if it's no longer widely used in scientific or diagnostic circles, why do individuals use the term and and cling to the term and, and really define themselves with this term? And there's actually people who I've spoken to who feel they owe their life to this term because by defining it, they've been able to maintain sobriety where there wouldn't. And there's a few different uh, areas of this. So the first is surrender. You become completely accepting of the fact that there's a problem when you decide to say, I am an alcoholic. And you become completely accepting of the fact that that problem needs to be addressed. And this is so important because you can't fix a problem you don't know you have. So even though like I don't choose to use the word alcoholic for myself, um, the moment I became aware that I was no longer in control in my relationship with alcohol, that I was definitely addicted, that I had dependence, that it was so much more important to me than it ever should have been, was one of the most important moments in my life. And that moment of surrender and realizing I wasn't in control um, and second, this term, it removes any gray area. A friend of mine She goes to AA and she says she believes that she cannot drink in safety. Not one, not ever, not at all. And she believes this because she believes she's an alcoholic. And so this keeps her from toying with the idea of drinking, which for some people is so important because there are stages of this alcohol addiction where one drink turns into 15 drinks and when there is no safe level of drinking because you have changed your brain to that extent. So that is is very key. Um, And studies have actually shown that one of the most important ways to reduce temptation and craving is to eliminate the thing you're tempted by. And so you do that in effect by calling yourself an alcoholic who can't drink in safety. You've eliminated the temptation by drawing a line in the sand that you cannot cross. And I think that's very important. So if you believe one drink will be harmful to you, even to the point of death, um, you, you just eliminate that temptation. And it doesn't leave room for slipping back or complacency. Like once you've taken this upon yourself and said, this is who I am, you can't waffle sort of in and out of it. And um, I think the last reason that people use this term, and this is also an important reason, and I'm certainly not making a judgment of people should or shouldn't use this term. People should do what is right for them and what feels good for them internally. Um, but it's an amazing tribe. So when you join this tribe and when you go to an AA meeting and when you're meeting other people who you know, define them. It is an incredible social tribe and network of people with a huge amount of support who come together over the common identifier of alcoholic and they find solace, they find support, they find shared stories. And we humans are nothing if not social and tribal. And so I think that's another interesting aspect of the word alcoholic. Um, So anyway, I think it's a really good question. I think it's one that um, definitely we should just keep talking about because it's so important. But thank you so much, Beck. Are you ready for a deep dive and truly lasting change? If so, you might consider my intensive program. It's a nine-week self-led program that you can do in the complete comfort of your own home, and it will truly transform your relationship with alcohol. If you want to learn more about this, go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash intensive. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.